Hello and welcome to the next podcast. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa, and we are very excited to have Martine Lellis, the Chief Talent and Administrative Officer at Mercer Advisors, join us here today. Martine, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Mark. Now, on the next podcast, we tend to focus on one thing and one thing only, the wealth management firm of the future. We have done quite a bit of research. We've also hosted a think tank at Edge that Martine participated in. And what we're trying to do with this podcast and the next research project is really be prescriptive and map out for our audience where we see opportunities to not only build you know, a firm that is designed to meet the needs of clients three, five, 10 years from now, but really also look at firms that are you know, built for success, growth, and innovation. So we talk quite a bit about client experience, technology, and of course, human capital. And I couldn't think of anyone better than our guest here today, Martine, to talk about human capital. Martine, before we get into the real meat here, I think it would be great if you wouldn't mind just letting our audience know, I'm sure many people are familiar with you and familiar with Mercer, uh, but if you would give a little bit more background on your role, your focus, and also some of the previous roles that you've you've held within the RIA industry, I think that that would be a great place to start. Yeah, great. Um, I love talking about our industry. I've been in the industry for 20 years, as you know, and um, in my current role as Chief Town and Administrative Officer, I do wear a lot of hats. Um, obviously, my day to day work is is on really making Mercer Advisors the employer of choice and and wanting to focus on how do we build career paths for our talent and um, and make certain that we're taking care of our talent. And we see our employees as, as one of our key stakeholders. I mean, obviously, another primary stakeholder are our clients. Um, we want to make sure that we're taking care of our clients. I know we're going to get into that today. Um, but my focus is on our employees and, and how do we make Mercer a great place to work. I've worn other hats as a chief operating officer, um, as you know, that I was with a company for 17 years, helping to build that. And so I have a lot of experience in, in what it takes also to build a foundation um, of, of the operational platform that it takes to really deliver a client experience. So, you know, dovetailing all of that together, um, just the acumen that it takes to run a really good RIA. So I love getting into the weeds and... Um, and understanding how to build and um, continue to form one of the fastest growing RAs in the business now at Mercer Advisors. Excellent. And yeah, I have to say, Martin, it's uh, great to hear you say that you love getting into the weeds, right? And that's exactly what we're going to do here today. I never think it's a bad thing. Right? People always say, don't get into the weeds, but I actually think it's a good thing, especially when we're trying to give direction and some insights into what we think the future of wealth management will look like. Um, and there is one area that I'd love to start with where I think we could use a little bit more definition and precision. In some of the research that we did earlier this year and a lot of the discussions we've had with firms that are growing and could be some of the most successful firms in the industry three, four, or five years from now, we hear about how important you know, the client experience will be right, in a firm's success and really differentiating one firm from another. But we never actually stop to define client experience. It might actually be one of the most overused terms in our space. So maybe we can start there. All right. uh, Martina, in your view, how do you look at the key elements of the full client experience and what, what really is you know, a good client experience? Yeah, and I'll kind of simplify that, I think, for you and for the listeners out there that are thinking about this and, and sort of go back to kind of the basics. I mean, 
at, at a simple level, you, you want to make sure that you're meeting the needs of your clients and that you're helping them accomplishing, accomplish their goals. So every time they're interacting, you know, with, with you or with a product or a service or some sort of person, or even in an automated system, you know, do they get their goals met? And then secondly, when you go above that, think about this kind of in a pyramid, was it easy? Did they have to work hard to get that goal met? You know, do they have to produce a lot of things or search for a lot of things or navigate through a complicated system? Did we make it easy for them to do that? And then I think lastly, kind of at the top of the pyramid, was it enjoyable? Did they feel good about their interaction um, or about the advice that they received? And I think those three things, you know, accomplishing their goals, how hard they had to work to get there, and then having a level of enjoyment, I think, and that's how we think about it at Mercer Advisors um, in terms of the client experience. You didn't use the word technology at all in describing <laughs> the client experience, <laughs> right? You actually well, talked about the client. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a people business. And I think whether you use technology to deploy advice systems, which you know, I am a big fan of having technology as an element, we're still in a business of relationships. And it's all about how the client feels at the end of the day when you delivered on that. Um, and that's why I say like at the top of that pyramid, it's, did they feel good about, you know, how they, how they, that experience was delivered regardless yeah. of how it was delivered, whether, whether it was delivered through the actual interaction with an advisor or whether it was delivered through a technology experience. I think it can be delivered in different various platforms. It's uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because so often you hear people talking about the client experience and it very quickly goes to delivery and technology. Um, we have conversations about, you know, client has to have a consistent experience across your website, your mobile devices, your, your portal, um, and it can default to you know, technology you know, way too often. Um, I think if you're looking at it through the lens that you just described, you know, outlook, right? Ease of doing business. Those are really good principles, right? And really good ways of just focusing on whether or not you're actually delivering the type of results, the services, and the outcomes that your clients want and need most. So I appreciate that. I do want to look a little bit into the future though and stay with the client experience. Um, when you look, let's just pick five years out, right? What For some of the most successful firms, what does the client experience of the future look like in your view? Yeah, well, I think that we will see an advisor really becoming, you know, more focusing more on delivering that standard of care in an integrated experience. And the demands of the advisor to have to know everything, the expectation of the advisor to have to know everything will be less. And I, I think that's going to be really important. It's kind of like we've used the analogy in healthcare. If you've heard me use this analogy before, but it's kind of like going to an orthopedist and expecting them to you know, diagnose your head and you need a neurosurgeon to deal with your head, but you're talking to an orthopedic surgeon. And, um, and I think that that expectation is that the advisor has to know everything or be able to answer every single question. I think if we're really thinking in the future, that should diminish and we should be able to rely on experts and, and the expertise of other specialists 
and really be able to coordinate that in an integrated standard of care. So I had an experience recently, you know, with a doctor and it was really frustrating because he wanted to put me on a medication and he said, you need to go off this other medication that you're on. And I was explaining to him why I'm on this other medication for this reason. And he thought I was on it for a different reason. And I'm seeing this other specialist and he's helping me with this. And he really wasn't listening to what I was saying. And he didn't offer to call that doctor and to talk to him and coordinate my care. He left it with me, the patient. And in that scenario, the patient is sort of muddling through, like, how do I deal with this? I need this other medication. And instead of working with the doctor, the two doctors talking together, these two specialists, which is what should happen in an integrated care system is left with me. Imagine if we did that for our clients and they were sort of left to be fuddled to sort of manage through their financial realms. So the future, the point I'm getting to is that the Mm -hmm. future of financial advice delivery is that the advisor does sit as that sort of general practitioner, but they're not expected to know everything. We're seeing firms even start to make investments in areas like financial psychology, for example. They're bringing in psychologists that sit as part of the team to help navigate through very difficult conversations. And you're going to have more people like that as, as part of the care team for the client versus just having an investment advisor, for example. Um, and that's you're going to see really good companies that put together the estate planning team, the tax team, the investment advisory team. Maybe there is a psychologist that helps to navigate through these family conversations that are really important. And you're going to be able to do that in an integrated system. And technology will play a part of that because that access to information and the ease of access to information is going to be critical. It's just like if you do go to a Mayo Clinic where there is integrated standard of care for medicine, by the time you have your appointment with that next specialist, the other doctor has already put all the information that you already saw from that other practitioner. It's already in there for them to pull up. They've already reviewed it by the time they walk in to talk to you. And that's that system. All of that technology allows them to have that full care system for you. Yeah, I think you've used the word, you know, concierge in the past, I think, mm-hmm. when talking about, you know, the role of the advisor in the future. And I think that's exactly where we're going. Um, some of the examples that you gave are great. I, I think, you know, more so than anything, if I have a highly specialized set of, you know, say tax questions, if you send me to a tax specialist, that's going to add not only time, but you know, frustration and probably money. And then I have to come back to you once I get the answers to figure out what the best decision might be. I, I, I would prefer if my advisor actually just had that conversation with the tax specialist quickly, came back to me, and I didn't have to do any of that. Right. And I think that that's the direction that we're going. So I appreciate you bringing up the wealth psychology element as well. Um, we've seen so much about the intergenerational wealth transfer and how much it will contribute to you know, the firm to firm growth in the future. Um, and I think you're just really reimagining the role of a financial advisor as someone who is, we hear life coach, right? We hear all sorts of other you know, types of uh, terms that are applied, but this concierge concept, right? This you know, analogy to the medical field 
is a really good one. Uh, so I appreciate you getting into detail on that as well. And I do you know, want to make sure as we're thinking about all these different elements, and Martin, you, you've been one of the leading experts in human capital for years. Um, it's not just something where you snap your fingers and all of a sudden you've evolved and you've gone from financial advisor to concierge overnight. Um, so when you think about you know, the wealth management firm of the future, um, what types of roles do you think will become more and more important? And also what kind of skill sets do you think will be most in demand? Well, I think some of these roles that I just talked about, you know, there's going to be opportunities for people to specialize and and really specialize. So they may start off in areas, um, you know, in general areas like having their CFP or even having a CPA um, or, you know, our, our general credentialed areas that we have in our field, the CFP, the CPA, the CFA. Um, but then they may be able to dovetail into highly you know, areas of high specialty where they're doing sophisticated tax planning to your example before, or, you know, financial psychology where they can, you know, get an advanced degree in, in the area of psychology, but apply that to, you know, behavioral finance and, and helping people make really critical decisions, whether they're going through a divorce or some sort of family crisis um, and navigating through that helping people make better decisions. I mean, that's really what this profession is about. Um, and so those types of, of skill sets, I think, are going to become more and more valuable as, as firms put together these diverse teams. And, and, and diversity actually is an outcome of this, mm-hmm. right? So we have the ability to create more diversity within our organizations and also people with more just general life experience. And diversity is not only just, you know, the color of your skin or the background that you have, but it's diversity of thought. And I think clients will appreciate just the ability for us to bring thought leaders into their lives and create just better experiences for them and better outcomes for them. So the whole point is that if we can, as leaders within our organizations, put together these really thoughtful teams with these diverse skill sets, diverse backgrounds, diverse diverse ability to think about um, very carefully how to put together these integrated plans of care for the client, then we will just get better and better as better outcomes for our clients and better outcomes for our talent within our own organizations. And this just creates more opportunity for our industry as a whole. Yeah, I, I'm interested to get your thoughts also just on, I think the well psychologist role is fascinating to me. Um, there aren't a tremendous amount of those individuals now. Um, there are definitely third parties that you can bring in as well. So you don't necessarily need to own that. But I do look at you know, the number of you know, power planners, junior planners that are coming into the business, you know, client service associates. And there, there is an interesting sort of influx of, of talent. Um, but when you look at this next gen and you look at the roles that they're in right now, what, how would you, if you were talking to you know, the leader of an advisory firm who's looking to hire someone in one of those roles, what do they need to consider about you know, not only successfully finding those candidates, but making sure that they're successful once they come on board? 
great question because the challenge right now is a huge gap. Yeah, no, I know. I had a conversation (laughs) earlier today with Brian Hamburger about this exact same thing. Um, So I'm curious to get your thoughts on not only finding them, but if you're lucky enough to find one, what can you, what do you have to do to make it work? Well, it's all about career pathing, right? Once you get someone into your organization, uh, you want to make certain that you're able to create pathways for them to continue to learn and grow. Uh, Because we want to hang on, you know, not only do we want to attract good talent, but we want to retain good talent. And so giving them the, you know, good programs around having good opportunities within their current roles to learn, um, but also good opportunities to learn externally. And whether that's supportive programs uh, like we have to get credential to, you know, have access to education or further education. And maybe if they want to get a degree, um, even in psychology, right? So Mm -hmm. thinking outside the box to programs that might lead them to add value inside the organization that might be in different routes than what we have traditionally supported. So if your education assistance is very narrow to only be with the CFP or the CPA or things like that, you might think broader about saying, hey, we're going to be willing to support people who want to explore more deeply into areas that will support our profession in the longer term, because that's how you will get talent to say, this company invested in me. And so therefore I will you know, invest back. I think you're, you're spot on and absolutely right. It actually made me... You know, think about, you know, my relationship with my advisor who just hired somebody that would be in sort of that next gen category. And she was given the opportunity to become the resident sort of crypto or in-house digital assets expert. Um, It wasn't something that my advisor was very, very familiar with. So he looked at it as an amazing opportunity to say, hey, you can own this, right? My clients are going to ask about this. We need to know it, right? Go for it. (laughs) And yeah, she's definitely gone through that process. And I think not only defined or carved out a niche, right, but is becoming you know, well-educated and more of an expert in an area that there are only going to be you know, more questions, right, that come from me and all of his clients too. So it's a great example. And just sort of lining people up with that opportunity is, is something that I think some of the best leaders in the wealth management industry are already doing, but will have to do more frequently moving forward. Um, and, and with that... Uh, sorry, Martin, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's a, just a perfect example because, you know, while crypto might not be something that your advisor is going to say, hey, Mark, like we want to put this in your portfolio, because um, most advisors would say you wouldn't want to have that to be, you know, a high percentage of, of your portfolio. Fine, if you want to hold some of that on the side and play around and like, you know, be speculative with mm-hmm. that. But like, to your point, people ask about that every yeah. single day. So, Having someone on the staff, to your point, educated on it is of high value. So I love the fact that they were investing and being supportive of of someone. And that's gonna that person's going to remember the fact that the company said, okay, you you're curious about this. And just supporting curiosity in general is just huge. We all grow by being curious. And when we stop being curious, that's when we stop growing. So I, this to me is just a fundamental sort of foundational thing. We should have budgets for curiosity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is just, I love that. You should 
be commending that, your advisor for supporting curiosity. Yeah, I love that. A curiosity budget. Um, <laughs> I, I think when we're talking about the wealth management firm of the future, maybe we don't call it a curiosity budget, right? But it is essentially R&D, right? And it not only is a good way for you to invest in growth, but it's an amazing way to invest in your people. Um, but so, think about if we did. I mean, think about yeah. if everybody set money aside for a curiosity budget, just how much more, you know, spontaneous and more, you know, just curious we would all become. And what would people discover? And that's, I think, where where things evolve and as things grow and and we're still young in terms of an industry and mm-hmm. i think future leaders will come up with new ideas and this is like you say an r&d budget but it's just we want to be investing in young talent and giving them the opportunities to say hey i have an idea we'll mm-hmm. go explore it yeah i love it and you know in my case it was uh, obviously around crypto and the discussion was, listen, I don't, I'm not for it. I'm not against it, but I know I need to be educated and I know that I need to be able to answer your questions when you ask them. And it actually went a very long way with me. And now I feel like I have a team, right? And not just an advisor. Um, so uh, I think that there are a number of benefits across the board for the business, for the employees and for the clients as well. And you know, we've touched on leadership a, a bit here, uh, but I did just want to end on that note. When you look at some of the best leaders in the wealth management industry. And you look out over the next you know, five years or so, you've touched on some of it here, but I'm curious, what will differentiate the best le- leaders in the wealth management industry over you know, the course of the next several years? I mean, I think as we're sort of touching on these topics, I think the best leaders are going to recognize that this integrated standard of care is going to be really important and they will put together diverse teams that understand that and can work together to deliver on that. So you will be seeing more specialization. You will be seeing leadership teams that can work together to say, how can we bring together this concierge level of service in a coordinated manner um, that pulls all of this together in a, in a, in a process and can systematize it so it can be efficient, right? Because we still need to, to deliver this in an efficient way um, that doesn't erode margins and still allows us to be competitive and to deliver this at a cost and at a value that it allows us to continue, continue to invest and grow. So we're going to still have to pay attention to regulatory pressures and the price of technology and our labor costs that are increasing, but we're going to want to invest in all of these areas that deliver on this great client experience. And then I think also just taking care of our stakeholders, you know, understanding we at Mercer, we have four stakeholders that we put a priority on, and that's our clients, our employees, our shareholders, and our community. And, you know, when you have those four at the forefront of everything that you do, and you're backing that up with all your policies with your culture and you're leading with that out front in every decision that you're making you're you're putting those four things first i think that's that's what you're where you'll see things continue to uh, be in the best interest of of those people and my my primary stakeholder are the employees and yep. so i think about that every day yeah and that's why we wanted to have you on there's very few firms that actually have 
a chief talent and administrative officer in the RIA space. So knowing that this is what you're doing every single day, Martina, I can't thank you enough for spending some time and offering your thoughts and your perspective. Um, I also can't thank you enough. It's going to stick with me. When we stop being curious, right, is when we stop growing. Um, I think while we've touched on a lot here today, um, that's one takeaway for me, right? Um, It'll stick with me. It's a great way to think about the need to continue to learn as a leader, um, but also what some of the people that we're bringing into not just our firms, but the industry, right? will want and need to be successful moving forward. So Martine, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and, and I'll see if I can get a, a curiosity budget approved for the wealth management team at Informa. And I'll be, I'll be sure to send you a thank you note if I can. So uh, Martine, thank you for the time. Thank you for your thoughts. And thank you to everybody for joining this episode of the next podcast. We appreciate it again. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa. And thank you for listening. We'll catch everybody on the next episode of the next podcast. Take care.